Hello and welcome to the Cultivated by Karen show. I'm your host, Karen Antonini. This show is a blend of culture, cuisine, and comfort. So if you're interested in exploring culinary and cultural experiences, learning about people whose love for food and drink have inspired enterprises, and discovering a few new recipes, you've come to the right place. Hello, fellow food enthusiasts. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Cynthia Wong, founder of Life Raft Treats and a six times James Beard Foundation Award semifinalist for Outstanding Pastry Chef. Cynthia has trained and worked both overseas and in the U.S., perfecting her craft as a pastry chef. Having worked in various restaurants in multiple capacities for years, she traded that demanding lifestyle for quality of life with her young family and to pursue her own dream, which is Life Raft Treats, a company that celebrates old-fashioned ice cream treats with a modern artisan twist. Today, Cynthia will share with us what first inspired and changed her perspective on ice cream flavors, how she finds inspiration for her ice cream novelties, and she will also share one of her favorite recipes. Welcome, Cynthia. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I couldn't wait to speak with you. I mean, the first time that I was introduced to Life Raft Treats was when my brother had bought your not fried chicken for my boys through Gold Belly, and it arrived, and the looks on their faces were priceless. I mean, I'm sure you get this all the time. (laughs) The look of just just sheer kind of shock and awe of the chicken. <laughs> and then, so we were blown away by that. It's just extraordinary. And then, and then to taste it, what I wasn't expecting was just how absolutely delicious it is. I mean, it's not like just your, you know, ordinary ice cream tree. It's, it's really delicious. So kudos to you with that. When did you get the idea to start Life Raft Treats? Um, well, I had been working in a restaurant as a pastry chef, like you said, really demanding hours, and my boys were really young, and I was pretty much done with restaurants um, and felt kind of backed into a corner, and I'd always wanted to make ice cream, make ice cream treats. Um, I was lucky enough to get to spend uh, about a month in France um, right when my first one was about two months, not two months, sorry, two years old. Um, and we went to an island called the Ile de Ray off the Atlantic coast of France. And there is an ice cream maker there um, called La Martiniere. And they've been there for generations. And it's just amazing. And what they were doing with ice cream and novelties was just incredible. And I always thought I would love to be able to do that. That is so neat. It's, it's so cool. And just to watch people eat that and enjoy it, it's just this whole revelation about food. So when I realized I was totally done with restaurants and I couldn't really deal with that life anymore, um, my husband said, well, won't you do the ice cream thing? And I was like, well, I, but I, and he's like, well, I mean, what, what do you have to lose at this point? And I was like, you know what, you're right. What do I have to lose at this point? I, I'm done with being a chef, so why not? And so I just kind of leapt off the, the, the cliff and, and did it. So how did you get started? What did that, did that entail actually to, to try to make these treats or, or how did you, what happened first? Um, I got, um, I got a used postal truck at an auction and that became the ice cream truck. Um, I bought the least expensive ice cream making equipment I could find on eBay. Um, some of which wasn't a great idea, but you know, it was just kind of sh- like uh, bootstrapping in a really hard way. 
Um, and I was really lucky to be able to get some commissary space from a caterer here in town who had a really large kitchen. And I made my treats kind of in the corner of their kitchen for, God, about three years. Um, and, you know, figured out a lot of things as I went along, made a lot of mistakes, um, made some things that were maybe weren't so tasty in the beginning. Definitely had to throw some things away. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> had a lot of samples for everyone around me to eat. Um, and just, you know, started really small and tried to keep it lean so that when I made mistakes, I could keep going. And that was kind of the main thing was just trying to keep going. So then, and did you originally start using locally sourced ingredients? Because that's something I feel like it really sets you apart from, well, many things from the ordinary ice cream treat, but you can definitely taste, I mean, the apple cider donut, you can, it's just bursting with flavor. Did you do that from the onset? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of that had to do with my background as a pastry chef and super chef to own restaurants. I was never in fine dining, but I worked for, for chefs that that was the thing that you did and there was no question about it. You used the best ingredients that you could and everything else you could kind of trim the corners on if you needed to, but you always put the, the money and the backing into the product. And so in making the ice cream, there's just no way around that for me. Like there's no point in making something really bland and uninteresting. And growing up, was this something that were you into baking or, or making pastries? I was really, really into baking. Um, ever since I was little, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a baker or a pastry chef. And whenever I played with things, I always turned it into some sort of bakery thing. If I were playing with Play-Doh, it would become like a little bakery. I would just kind of like force it into whatever I was playing. Um, and my parents were kind of like, why? why? This is like such a weird fixation. Um, and I think they kind of hoped for a little bit that it would sort of wear itself out, but it, it never did. And then, so where did you go from there? So take me through the steps of kind of your life of how that progressed to where you are today. Sure. Um, I actually went to art school first out of high school. And um, I loved art. I loved making things with my hands, but I got to art school and I realized I didn't really have anything profound to say. And I was in school with these really talented young artists and I was like, I think maybe I like crafts more and I'm just not an artist. And so, uh, you know, I kind of slacked off a lot and wound up getting kicked out of art school, which you have to try really hard to get kicked out of art school. Like it was, you know, an effort. Um, and then after that, I just, you know, talked to my parents and I was like, I listen, I really want to pursue this baking thing because to them, that was like the last thing they wanted me to do. They would have preferred for me to be an artist at least, um, you know, and I come from an Asian immigrant family. And so, their notion of what I should do was something along the lines of go to go to a really good school, get a really secure job, be either a lawyer or a doctor or something like that, you know, have your 401k, everything's really, you know, very secure. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I want to be cool and create things. And um, But, you know, finally after getting kicked out of art school, they were like, yeah, okay, we get it. You, you really want to do this cooking thing. So then they started to support it. Uh, moved out to San Francisco, started uh, baking bread at a restaurant overnight because it was the only job that would have me really because I didn't know what I was doing and I was like oh they're finally you know I've got my, my chance here and they were like yeah we finally got someone to do this overnight so it kind of worked itself out <laughs> where I had the time to figure out what I was doing because it was such a hard position to fill um, but I baked bread there for about two years um, and I enjoyed it a lot but then realized also that 
for me, bread just wasn't the whole thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to learn how to, you know, be a real pastry chef in my eyes at that point. So um, I scraped some money together and my parents helped me out and I moved to France. They went to culinary school there. Um, after I did that, I met my husband in Spain. And once I met him, I was like, oh, I don't really want to work in restaurants. It's too hard. I want to be young and free. So I lived in Barcelona for a little bit. Um, and then after a whole bunch of other kind of things that were sort of food adjacent, um, I finally got back into cooking um, and was a pastry chef at a place called Cakes and Ale in Decatur outside of Atlanta. And that was how the pastry chef part of my life started kind of like around then. So, okay. So then you decided, okay, it was very demanding. You have these two young children. So you start Life Raft Treats. How did you come up with that name? Um, <laughs> well, there's a moment in Mad Men where Don and Betty are about to get divorced and Don thinks that he is leaving her, but she says, no, Don, I, I'm going to go marry Henry Francis. I have this whole plan. And he says, what? This whole time you've been building a life raft for yourself? And I kind of felt like that's what my little ice cream business was, was I was just really tired of working 60 hours a week for someone who was like, uh, you're not working enough. And I was like, you know what? This is my life raft. I'm going to get on this. I'm going to paddle away and try to be happy again. So, well, I'm so glad you did because now <laughs> everyone can enjoy your treats. <laughs> How do you come up with the inspiration for, for like the not fried chicken or any of your, the, the novelties that you make? Um, I've always really loved the whole what is this kind of thing you know even going back to art with like the Dadaism and Marcel Duchamp and you know I'm not comparing myself to these people but I was always kind of inspired and I loved like visual trickery and so the not fried chicken started off when I thought would it be really funny if someone made an ice cream drumstick that actually looked like a drumstick because why is the ice cream novelty in the grocery store called a drumstick when it's an ice cream cone with peanuts stuck on the top. I, I love it, don't get me wrong, I love the drumstick. But I thought it'd be really funny to make a drumstick. And so that kind of, um, you know, unwrapping something and having a giggle before you eat it appealed to me as well because after all the years of restaurants, you know, making food seemed kind of like a chore and I wanted it to be fun again. It's definitely, I feel like I see joy through throughout the word joy throughout you you always want people to experience that it's the joy and and uh i've you call actually weaponized mouth joy i think i read a quote somewhere <laughs> it is a, it is uh yeah i think it's true because you can you know these it's not just like looking at it i mean you have the ice cream sandwich and you know of course the chicken and these other novelties but it's amazing that yeah you kind of look and think oh <laughs> <laughs> what is that? So tell me what else is in your lineup that you have currently, the products. We, for Thanksgiving, we're making a Thanksgiving plate. Um, and it looks kind of like Thanksgiving plate. There's little cutlets on there. There's two slices of um, cranberry jelly, but it's ice cream and a little clump of green bean casserole, but it's ice cream and mashed potatoes and stuffing. Um so we've got that going for Thanksgiving, and then we've also got uh, the Wong Duckin, which is an ice cream turducken. Um, I grew up on the Gulf Coast, and so we had turduckins at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, a couple of years ago, one of our friends who owns a restaurant uh, was like, 
we're, they were doing a pop-up and they said, we're going to make this really huge version of this dish we do. And do you want to make a really huge something just, just for fun, just giant, funny food? And I was like, okay. And then I think I was falling asleep and I thought, I should make a turducken out of ice cream. Wouldn't that be funny? And the first one I made was, um, it weighed 10 pounds. And it was it was massive. And like, <laughs> I think I wanted I to give it away because no one at the time was like, yeah, we want 10 pounds of ice cream in one sitting. <laughs> Um, but then we made them, you know, a good bit smaller and we have them now. We make them every Thanksgiving and we sell out um, and everybody loves them. And it's chocolate ice cream, cranberry sorbet, cranberry sorbet and butter pecan ice cream. And the whole thing is dipped in caramelized white chocolate and cornflakes. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so delicious. <laughs> so and then you have do you have a Yule log? You have different different treats for different holidays. We've got a Yule log, um, and the recipe that I'm going to talk about later on that I really love uh, is the Bouche de Noel, and it was one of the first things that when I decided I wanted to be a pastry chef, I wanted to make really badly. Um, my mom had gotten this gold medal uh, flower cookbook and had a bouche in it, and so every year I've made a bouche in some form or the other, whether just for my family or for other people. But now we have this really beautiful bouche, and it's um, sort of like a gingerbread black forest, so it's really spicy spicy dark gingerbread um mascarpone ice cream and cherries and it's got a chocolate shell on the outside and little chocolate mushrooms and we also spray a little bit of white chocolate on there so it looks like there's snow on there and i just i love it i love it (laughs) oh my gosh it must be so much fun what is your your team like so are you still in this commissary or where are you working now um we have a facility now we uh moved into a facility last uh june and we started off with about 2,800 square feet and we're squeezing out of that really quickly. So we took over a little bit more of the, the space and now we have got just a little bit under 6,000 square feet um, divided between production and packaging um, and, and fulfillment. My team is, my in-house team is, is all women, um, not necessarily by design, but we all work together really well. It's really collaborative. Everyone's very supportive. Um, my production manager, which the the title production manager doesn't really encapsulate who she is and what she does because she's so important to the company. Um, she was our first employee. She's been with us from day one. So she has seen all the disasters and <laughs> has like gone through all the really hard times. Um, but she makes it all happen. She creates with me. She makes the food she makes the shapes it's great um we've got jenna in fulfillment she does deals with all the logistics and the shipping and the freight coming in the freight going out and um it's great i could not do it without these ladies they're incredible that's you obviously have such a great team to make this i mean get frozen treats and move them around so do you have your you still have your ice cream truck I see on Instagram that you're at various locations, and I'm always really envious <laughs> that I'm not closer by. And then you're selling in through Whole Foods in, in certain locations as well with plans to expand. And then, and of course, you're on Gold Belly as well. Mm-hmm. And, and we also sell through Fresh Direct, um, Foxtrot, and Central Market. So we are creeping up the northeast and spreading out west and through the midwest a little bit and we hope to be in stores in on the west coast by next spring oh fantastic that 
That's terrific. So so Gold Belly must have kind of taken on a life of its own for you in terms of just. It really, really did. Um, Charleston's lovely and it's great, but um, real estate's really expensive. It's it's not a joke here. So, you know, being a new business, it wasn't an option to open a shop right away. The funding just didn't exist. And I didn't really feel like I had real proof that what I was making was going to work because, you know, it started off as just, I mean, it started off in a really great way where it was like, what do I have to lose? I'm going to do all this really funny, weird stuff and see if it sticks. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of luck with timing of the whole, is it cake and the pandemic and people sitting at home on their phones. And so a lot of those things worked for us to make these weird little treats, weird, funny little treats. Um, but gold belly was sort of the proof that it would work because they have such a large reach, you know, and they have such a large platform that people can find us. And it's not just some like funny little thing that pops up once once in a while here and there in Charleston. Um, but we do have a shop in the works, so. Great, and when did you start working with Gold Belly? Um, I think it was it's like uh, October, November, 2020. <laughs> I was gonna ask you when you, when you started Life Raft Treats. Uh, it was, May 2018. So two years, roughly two years later, then you began working with Gold Belly. That's that's really impressive. So impressive. You know, the thing that just worked for us, it was the thing that other people were really hesitant about what I wanted to do is I really wanted to lean into novelties from the beginning. That was what I wanted to do. And, you know, as a pastry chef, the novelty is like its own little story. Um, on a stick or in a wrapper and you know it's kind of like a plate of dessert but all kind of put together composed and I love scooped ice cream and I love soft serve but that just wasn't what I really really wanted to do and uh you know there was a lot of fear and concern about leaning into making novelties because most of what was going on with ice cream was scoops and pints on shelves and things like that but that was actually what helped us get on gold belly and to have success on gold belly was that it was such a unique kind of strange product that it just it worked definitely i feel like ice cream i mean obviously ice cream is is still around but i felt like it kind of fizzled out at one point and then like we had different cupcake companies and things that sprinkles and crumbs and it i felt like at one point like where do i find an ice cream shop (laughs) it was like you could find cupcakes everywhere but you couldn't and now I think it is, it's like the artisan approach and of course your like the novelties. I mean, something completely different that also tastes amazing, which is, you know, part of your success, I believe. Do your, <laughs> please, do your children help you in the kitchen or do they come, are they your taste testers? Um, they love to eat all of it, pretty much all of it. And they were sort of proof to me as well. Um, people in the beginning were like, you should make things for kids. And I was like, it's ice cream, it's all for kids. But you know, something was shaped like chicken. The other thing was kind of shaped like this. And it wasn't super approachable because I think a lot of kids were used to like scoop of vanilla, scoop of chocolate kind of thing. But my kids were proof to me that like they'll eat anything. Um, and I don't let them help out in the kitchen because they're little boys, so they're a little bit sticky all the time and just kind of a little bit dirty. <laughs> but they are very helpful with putting stickers on boxes and things like that, and they, they love to help. That's great. I know. As a boy mom myself, I, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how, how are you sticky? What is this? Yeah, we never know quite what it is, but it's better to keep them 
sticking labels and things. <laughs> well, Cynthia, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere because Cynthia is going to share one of her favorite recipes with us. So I'm talking to Cynthia Wong, founder of Life Raft Treats. We will be right back. Would you like to host your own radio program or podcast? Park City Productions 06604 is a Bridgeport, Connecticut-based radio broadcast solutions company. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Park City Productions 06604. Call us at 203-522-8801. Hello, we are back. I am your host, Karen Antonini of Cultivated by Karen Show. I am speaking with Cynthia Wong, founder of Life Raft Treats. You can find more information about her at liferafttreats.com or all her products and on Instagram at Life Raft Treats. I highly encourage you to go check it out. I have tasted them myself and they are absolutely delicious. So Cynthia, I would love to hear about your recipe as a pastry chef. I'm sure you have a fabulous one in mind for us today. Um, it is a classic Bouche Noel, um, but it is, to be totally honest, cribbed straight out of the gold medal 100th anniversary cookbook from, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, let it slip and let you guys know how old I actually am from like 1980. <laughs> and it was, uh, <laughs> my mom flipped out, uh, the UPC codes from bags of flour and saved them all up and sent off for this cookbook and I still have it it's on my shelf like right behind me and I love this book um, but they had a very easy version of the bouche and so instead of like a genoise or something that's a little bit more complicated or sort of not user friendly it's um, you know there are some egg whites that you fold into it but the batter has baking powder in it so you know, if you overfold or underfold or your whites aren't right, it's still going to bake up just right to be nice and springy. Um, so you make the cake batter as you would as normal cake batter. Um, it's got oil in it and not butter, so you don't have to deal with any cream or anything like that. Um, you make it in a jelly pan, like a sheet pan. When it's still hot, you flip it out onto a towel dusted with powdered sugar, which was the other thing that really captured my imagination when I was a kid was like, oh my God, we're going to put powdered sugar on a towel and roll the cake? How can this get any better? <laughs> so you flip it onto the towel and you peel the paper off the cake um, and then you roll it up and let the cake steam, which was the other thing that I just, I love that whole thing of steaming the cake and getting it nice and springy. Um, and then you unroll it when it's cool and you get um, whipped cream. And in this recipe, it's instant coffee with whipped cream and powdered sugar. When you whip that together and spread that on the inside, roll it back up. And then on the outside, it's a uh, chocolate frosting. Um, you know, now being super chefy, I would make a ganache. But in this case, it's like butter and powdered sugar and chocolate. And you spread it on there and you get the fork out and you make it look like it's wood. Um, and I still love this version of the Boucher Noel where it's not super fancy. And yes, it's granulated coffee and it's whipped cream and so you're not making a buttercream or something really complicated that takes a lot of time or stresses you out um which 
I really like that approach to food. Um, you know, I the things I make can be pretty complicated because I'm just used to doing things like that or I have access to ingredients or access to equipment. But I want people to feel like they can approach making something fancy and fun at home without being intimidated by it. Because the intimidation is what leads people to, you know, not making things at home. And it can be such a joy to do that at your house with your kids, for your family. And it's, it's, it's awesome. I love this. I love this bush. I love that that recipe. I definitely want to try that. That I, I feel the same way. I feel like it's such a shame when it becomes too complicated. I mean, obviously there's a time and place for it, but but for people to be able to create something and, and just have fun and get back in the kitchen and use your hands and explore, it's yeah. I think that's so important. Yeah. So. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope everyone gets to uh, reach out and and check out your website. And we will definitely have more information and a couple reels that we'll put together on ours at Cultivated by Karen Show and CultivatedByKaren.com. And I just so appreciate your taking time out of your busy day to be here with us, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It was great talking to you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, friends and fellow food aficionados, for joining us today. I'd like to thank my producer, John Iannuzzi, Park City Productions. See you next time for more culture, cuisine, and comfort.